I need Jesus. Would that be your testimony today? We turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and read verses 12 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the, the division of soul and of spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess today that we need you. We need you because we are sinful. We need you because we are helpless. We need you, Lord Jesus, because apart from you, we have no hope. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word today would drive home that point so clearly that we would leave this place and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I am so thankful that you have come to be my Savior. Lord, would you use the word now that you have inspired Apply it to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. For many years, my home congregation had a Sunday school class for handicapped adults. We called it our special class. and We named it that way because those adults that were coming to that class, we viewed as a special gift, a special gift to our congregation. And there were two men in that class that really had an impact on my life. They were the two that came into the office of our church before the service, and they prayed with us before the service. One of the guys' name was Bob. And Bob taught me a lot about prayer. One morning he started to pray, and he said, Hi, God. This is Bob. He says, today I want to talk about friends. He said, you're the best friend I've ever had. I'll tell you what, there were tears running down the cheeks of a lot of the men in that congregation. And then my dad had been sick for a while and he said, and I'm thankful for healthy Herbie. He's my friend too. Even though he's getting old and fat and bald. Bob taught me something about honesty in prayer. You know, just sharing what's on your heart and as if the Lord was right in the room. Hi, God, this is Bob. The other man that impacted my life was was David. And David always came into the prayer room with a choir robe on and he had a, a cross around his neck. And... Every time he came into that prayer room, he said the same thing. 
He said, I need prayer. And so we would lay hands on David and we'd pray for him and that God would bless him and bless his Sunday school class. And and when we were all done praying, he was ready to go. (laughs) I need prayer, he often said. And as I've thought about Bob and David over the years, I'm reminded that I too need prayer. I too need Jesus. And like Bob said, you're the best friend, God, I've ever had. Those two guys, I still think of them. Both of them now are with the Lord. But I'll tell you what, they made an impact on my life. And I am ever grateful for them. I need Jesus. That, that's the, the title of the message I want to share with you today. And there's three reasons why I need Jesus, and I trust you would say the same. First of all, I need Jesus because His Word judges my heart. Of all the verses in Scripture that speak of the power of God's Word, verse 12 of our text is one of the most detailed verses of all. Notice all the words that describe God's Word. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any sword. It penetrates and it divides. In fact, God's Word is so powerful that it is able to expose our thoughts and our attitudes. It reveals things about us that no one else knows, that no one else can see. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. As I was thinking about that, I was reminded of the many ways that doctors are able to see, and I use that in quotes, to see within us, right? You've got ultrasounds, and you've got x-rays, and you've got CAT scans, and you've got MRIs, and you've got PET scans, and I suppose there's going to be some other kinds of scans coming down the pike. And as I was thinking about that, as powerful as these, uh, this technology is, they are still limited. An x-ray does not see what I'm thinking. A CAT scan can't expose an attitude. An ultrasound can't reveal a motive. But God's Word does, doesn't it? It has the power to pierce deep into my heart and reveal the thoughts and attitudes and motives that no one else sees, but no one else knows about. There is no technology like it on the face of the earth, is it? The Word of God. Those that Peter spoke to on the day of Pentecost experienced that power of God's Word because when Peter was done preaching, in Acts 2, verse 37, they said, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? God's Word had done such a powerful work of conviction of sin in their hearts. They were wondering, what in the world are we going to do now? The Word had pierced to the heart. And it revealed something, didn't it? It revealed that there was something wrong in their life. It revealed their sin. What in the world are we going to do? Many years ago, my dad went in for just a a, a routine physical, had a chest x-ray, 
The doctor saw something in his lung that he didn't like. It revealed that there was a problem there that my dad did not know about. He had no idea. He thought this would just be a routine physical and all the doctor would tell him to do is to lose some weight, which he always did. But otherwise, he thought he'd walk out and, you know, just one of those physicals, but it wasn't one of those physicals. There was a tumor in his lung that ultimately spread and ended up taking his life. Now, how do you think my dad responded to that news? Was he mad at the doctor for ordering an x-ray? Was he mad at the x-ray machine because it revealed that there was something wrong in his body? Of course not. Of course not. But there are people who do not want to be told that they have a problem in their heart. They don't want to be told that they are sinful, that they need a Savior, and they get angry. They get mad at you. Remember Pastor Ken Penty, our evangelist years ago? He says there are like three stages. First, people get mad. He said they, then they get sad. And then when they come to Jesus, then they get glad. But often the first response is, they're upset. Who are you to tell me that? I'm not so bad. That's what God's Word does. It pierces the heart. It reveals what we are like inside and why we think and act and speak the way we do. There's something wrong within us. But God lovingly, and I emphasize that, God lovingly reveals to us our need. He lovingly shows us there's something wrong inside so He can show us the solution then in Jesus. Kent Hughes describes how God did this in his life. He said, I was 12 years old when I came under the knife of God's Word. He described it. He said, I was an outward son of the church, but I was not a son of God. He said, this left me aware that I was a sinner and outside the spiritual mystery that others in the church shared. He said, the cut hurt and I wanted healing. That's what the law of God does, doesn't it? It cuts deeply and it brings us to the point where we recognize, I need Jesus. And God uses that to draw us to Himself. He describes it then as, as the grace, gracious surgery that God did in His life. Let me ask you, have you been under the knife? Has God's Word cut you deeply? It is good, it's a good thing when the Word of God does that because it reveals to us just how much we need Jesus. I need Jesus today because His Word judges my heart. The second thing we notice in this passage, I need Jesus because His eyes see my sin. The picture changes a little bit from verse 12 to verse 13. But the idea is is really the same. God knows what is going on within us because He sees everything. Look at verse 13. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open 
and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I read an interesting story about two boys, two young boys who were stealing apples. I don't know if anybody here has ever done that, but these two boys were. And as they were stealing these apples, it so happened that there was an astronomer by the name of Samuel Alfred Mitchell who was observing the sun as it was setting that evening. And so as he's watching the sun go down, finally the sun set, and through his telescope, he sees these two boys who were seven miles away. And he said, one was picking apples, and the other one stood guard, making sure that no one saw. (laughs) Someone was watching, right? Seven miles away, someone was watching what they were doing. You know, we think sometimes we can hide our sin. And maybe we can hide it from people. Some have been successful at hiding their sin from others for quite a long time. But we can't hide anything from the Lord. He sees it all. In fact, He sees the thoughts, the attitudes, the motives. There is nothing that is hidden from his sight. It's interesting, the words that the author uses here, uh, the word open, he says, all things are, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open. The word actually means literally to be naked. In other words, no matter what we do to try to cover our sin, God sees it as if there was no covering at all. That's how God views us. We can try to cover ourselves in, in various ways, but there is no covering that will work because God sees it all. I remember we were up at the farm where Judy grew up, and somehow this raccoon had gotten in the porch. And it was sitting in the corner like this, with its face towards the corner. And I suppose he thought... If he can't see us, we can't see him. (laughs) How foolish, huh? We can't see God. He sees us. There's nothing open or nothing laid that that he doesn't see. And then the the second word he uses here is is the word that says laid bare. It is laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's an interesting word. We get our English word trachea. From the noun form of this word. You know what the trachea is, right? Not the trachea? No. And so it pictures the neck being laid bare or exposed. When your neck is laid bare, are you in a vulnerable position? Yes, you are. And this word was used to describe the bending back of the neck of an animal that was about to be sacrificed. The word was also used to describe a wrestler's hold on the opponent's throat, rendering him helpless. It was also used to describe how a man being led to execution had a knife placed beneath his chin so he couldn't bow his head in shame away from the gaze of the crowd. Quite graphic pictures of of how this word was 
was used. And when it's used in light of the verse before that, which describes God's word as a two-edged sword, it's quite a, a quite a strong picture of God's righteous judgment upon sin. The one who sees everything is the one before whom we will stand one day. Do you see why we need Jesus? God's Word shows us exactly what we are. God's Word, His law, brings judgment upon us. If it were not for Jesus, where would you be? Where would I be? I'd be judged. That's why I confess today, I need Jesus. I need Him. Thirdly, I need Jesus because He is my only hope. My only hope. Apart from Him, I have no hope whatsoever. And that's why when we come to verse 14, the tone changes wonderfully, completely. Jesus is our great high priest. Look at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. As our great high priest, what does Jesus do? Jesus intercedes for us. And this is seen in how this phrase, He has passed through the heavens into the presence of God on our behalf. And there's some Old Testament background here in what took place on what we call Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. Remember that? The high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies once a year, and he would offer then sacrifice for the sins of the people. But there's quite a contrast between the Old Testament priest, what he did, and what Jesus did as our great high priest. The Old Testament priest brought into the Holy of Holies the blood of an animal, slain, offered on the altar. What did Jesus do? Jesus brought his own blood. He himself was the sacrifice for sin. The Old Testament Priests went in once a year, and that sacrifice had to repeat, be repeated year after year after year after year after year for hundreds of years. Jesus offered himself once, right? Never needed to be offered ever again. And the Old Testament priest entered the Holy of Holies. And he left as soon as he could. You know why? Because they used to put a bell on the hem of his robe so that people could hear if he was still moving around there and God hadn't struck him dead. And when he offered the sacrifice, he was ready to get out, standing in the presence of a holy God. But Jesus entered the Holy of Holies and is now standing before God as our intercessor. I love what Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore, He is able to save forever 
Those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. First John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Righteous One, and He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. What is Jesus? How does He intercede? How is He our advocate? What does He say to the Father on our behalf? Does He say, Father, they're such nice people. You love them, don't you? Because look at all the good things they've done. You know, I mean, you ought to let them in. They're such fine people. He does not do that, right? What does Jesus say as He intercedes for us? He says, Father, they are sinful, but I died for them. I paid the price for them. I became their substitute. I died in their place. And that's the intercession of Jesus pointing to Himself as the sacrifice once for all given so that you and I can have access to the very throne of grace. The access to that holy place before the Father. And we can come then with confidence. Notice what verse 16 says. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Access to the very presence of God through Jesus. Ever notice how many ways our access access is denied today? Restricted? Seems like there are signs everywhere that keep us out. (laughs) Do not enter, right? You've seen some of those. No trespassing. Employees only. Keep out. Authorized vehicles only. No parking. It's kind of like, well, where can I go? Is there anywhere I could go? Any place I have? I'm welcome? Yes, there is. Where is it? It's into the presence of God. We have access into the presence of God. There's no keep out signs, no roadblocks, no special security badges to get in. God gives us open access to Him because Jesus, Jesus has provided the way. And we can come confidently. Confidently. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and since we have a great Priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Isn't that awesome? We have access into the presence of God and we can come with confidence. Not because of anything that we've done or how wonderful we are or, you know, God says, you know, you're so great, I want you in my team. It has nothing to do with that. It's because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, 
I can come confidently to God today. And I love the way it's described as the throne of grace. Verse 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't usually associate a throne with grace, do we? You think of a king's throne, that's a place of authority, a place of power, a place of judgment. But when you come to God through Jesus, that is a throne of grace. And you find mercy there because of what Jesus has done. There was a crowd of university students coming home after a night of drinking. And their drunk leader noticed on the steeple of a church across, illuminated by the moonlight. And suddenly he said sarcastically, Ye mathematicians, look at God's plus sign. Of course, they were all thought that was so, so funny. Yeah. One of those students had grown up in a Christian home. And when he went to bed that night, he could not fall asleep. Because he began to think of that statement. The cross, God's plus sign, he said, that's indeed what it is. That's indeed what it is. It is God saying to the world, I loved you so much. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. I want to add you to my kingdom because of what Jesus has done. And think of all that's ours because of Jesus. Righteousness, forgiveness, peace, hope, eternal life. And that night his life was changed and he went the next day and he talked to the man who who made a joke about the cross. And he told him what God had done in his life to save him. There were seven others from that group. When they saw the change in this young man's life, that they said, I need Jesus too. Their lives were changed as well. Have you been transformed by God's plus sign? Have you met Jesus at the foot of the cross? You need him because his word judges your heart. You need Him because His eyes see your sin. You need Him because He is your only hope. Are you willing to say today, I need Jesus? Willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am sinful. I need a Savior. You died on the cross for me. You are my hope. Lord Jesus, I need You. If you're willing to say it, tell him now. Tell him, Lord, I need you. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Transform me. And you will have access to the throne of grace where you will find God's mercy and God's grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you today. We need you more than anything in the world. Thank you for your word that reveals to us our need. Thank you for your life and death and resurrection and what you did for us to to pay the price of our sin that we never could pay. Help us, Lord, to come to that place in our life where we recognize that our only hope, our only hope is in you. May we stand on the promises of your word that there is forgiveness with you. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake.